Hello and welcome to another episode of Mork's Chat Sports. We've got another guest today, and today's guest hails from Harare, Zimbabwe, and he's currently playing professional rugby in England's Premiership. After moving on from Watershed College, he rose through the ranks in English rugby, playing club rugby, provincial rugby, and then moved to both London Scottish and London Welsh. In 2017, he won Zimbabwe's UK Sport Person of the Year. And in that same year, he went on to sign for London Irish, uh, where he currently plies his trade in the Gallagher Premiership. I'd like to uh, firstly say a big thank you for joining. I'd like to introduce to you all Lovejoy Chawatama. Lovejoy, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you keeping as we start off the new year? And uh, did you manage to get any sort of downtime over the festive period? Oh, hi, Richard. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate your time coming on this podcast. Yeah, no, I've been, I've been very good, thanks. Uh, this year's been a very weird one. Uh, this year was the first time I've had Christmas for a very long time, obviously, with professional sports. Um, we never get time off on Christmas Day. We normally have a game on Boxing Day. Uh, unfortunately, this year we couldn't play our game because of COVID. So we ended up having time off Christmas. So I ended up spending that time with my fiance and my my son at home. We couldn't visit any other family members because, as you know, we're currently in lockdown at the moment. So yeah, it was a lovely one just to spend with my family. It was nice. Fantastic. And as you mentioned there, 2020 was tough. Your season finished on the 24th of October, and then you guys had yeah. to had to turn it around and start again on about the 20th of November last year. What has the turnaround been like for yourself, for your teammates? You know, obviously not having an adequate pre-season. And uh, how are London Irish getting on uh, six games into the Premiership? It's actually, yeah, it's actually quite all right. Also, we're playing loads of games. We're playing on the midweek and then playing on the weekend because we needed to finish the season off and then we had a few weeks off. I know we get six weeks mandatory time off, but this year we got three weeks off and then one week off training by yourself. Um, for me, it's actually been good because then, as a prop, normally in pre-season I'm, I'm doing extras, I'm doing, I'm getting flogged the one bike, flogged on the pitch. So for me, having not to do too much of that stuff was kind of good. Um, but no, it's been all right. Yeah, we started all right for the season. We're trying to push on and do well uh, from how we've done the previous time we were in the Premiership. Yeah, it's been it's been good stuff. So it's been a positive start, and we've won two or two of our games in Europe. So we're sitting at the top in the Europe in the league, which is nice. Yeah, it's been good. It's been a good start so far. I can't imagine too many other Premiership sides taking a liking to seeing yourself and Augustine Creevy in the front row, uh, having to scrum against you two. So, yeah, exciting times for London Irish, as you say, doing well in in Europe too. But Lovejoy, uh, I'd I'd like to take you back. Back to your time in Zimbabwe, where it all started for you. You were schooled at Watershed College for the start of your secondary education. What indeed can you remember about your early rugby days in Zimbabwe? No, I started playing rugby when I was eight years old. So I went to boarding school at Lendy Park in Marunda when I was younger. My mum moved to the UK. Yes, started playing then and I played hockey as well. I was a goalie. <laughs> yeah, I was a goalie. <laughs> in hockey or in defence mm-hmm. um, I was just an energetic kid I had so much energy 
And once I found rugby, you know, we did play barefoot in Zimbabwe. It was nice and warm when we were younger. It's nice just to get rid of the shoes and just run around and just run through people and then pretending to be the All Blacks and doing the hacker <laughs> the games. That was, that was a good time. Yeah, from that age and then, obviously, when it came to go to high school and that was to college, which was in, I was in boarding, obviously, having people like Kissett there was good. And, and then... I played under-14s there, under-15s, and then just before I was about to go to under-16s and then first team, that's when I left Zimbabwe. I was captain for my under-14s team. I was back row. I was number six there. Nice. Um, it was good times. Uh, it was good times. I was playing schools like Peterhouse, St. John's, Lomagundi, so many top rugby schools. Obviously, what I said, at that time, because uh, they used to be one of the top, top schools then, but with our first team was kind of fighting to get back to where they were like to get to like where the St. John's and uh, Peterhouse were you know we played against them but we were not at their level then but we my age group was kind of trying to bring that back up because we had a great time in, in the critical season quite well there and yeah so I left just before I was about to go play some first team rugby which I was sad about because it, you know every youngster growing up in the schools, when you see the first team play and you see the war cries and, and the band, oh, it's, it's, it's even talking about Iran is bring goosebumps to me when we watch the first team on the first team pitch and no one would be allowed to walk in it. It was like quite a sacred, you know, like you know what it was like when you play first team rugby. And that's, that was my goal just to play first team rugby. Um, that, that was it, really, in the, in the Zim, Zim days. So like you say, Kotka, you know, it's uh, it's unlike any other sort of festival in the world. I think it's one of the biggest schoolboy rugby festivals in the world. So it's a pity yeah. it's a pity you didn't uh, get to get to don the first team colors of, of Watershed, but you made the move to the UK to complete your education. Can you tell us more about your move to England? What the journey was like moving from Zimbabwe to the UK? Both both personally and obviously in a in a rugby sense. Yeah, um, mate, the, the move to, to England was to better, obviously to better my life and for my for the move for my family. My mum moved us to England because that was the only way we'd get a better life. I'm not from a wealthy family. Mum, obviously, mum being a single mum, she came over here with family over here. She's crafted all her life for us, and the opportunity to came, she got a visa and everyone to come over. It was to better my life and. Once I got here, I, I said, I told myself, I've always wanted to play professional rugby, but there was no opportunity to play that in Spurs. But once I got here, I told myself, I'm going to realise that opportunity to play professional rugby, and I put everything into it. And as soon as I got here, I rang my uncle straight away. I asked him, where can I find a rugby club in England? And how can I, what's the nearest club? How does it work? Because I, I didn't know how the system worked. Then obviously, I just managed to find a club called Beckenham City. Uh, which were literally not far from my house. Uh, I rang them up and said, hi, my name is Lovejoy. They spoke rugby in Zimbabwe. I'm looking for a club to join. And yeah, they answered the phone. And then the coach that was there, Paddy, he was awesome. He's been awesome. He's like, yeah, come on Sunday. We've got a game on Sunday. I was like, well, I have no rugby. I have nothing at the moment. I've just turned up in the country. It's like two or three weeks in the country. He's like, yeah, no worries. No worries, mate. Just turn up. We'll, just, we'll look after you. And then actually, phone enough. He rang me the next, he goes, don't, you, don't worry, I'll come to your house, I'll pick you up from your house. He drove all the way to my house, picked me up, took me to the game, gave me a pair of boots. I played in the, I told them I played rugby, but they didn't know. I played in the B team, 
I scored three tries, I think, that game. I was like, oh, this, this kid's got something about it. Uh, the following week, I was in the first team, and the rest is history, man. Um, uh, yeah, he's, he's been beckoning have been good, good to me since then. I'm coaching them now. I've made like lifetime friends there, which are my, some of my best mates of that, of that age group, and I still talk to them. We're still in contact with them. Yeah, it's been they've been awesome to be back in them. Their family to me, there they've always looked after me. Um, I've always tried to go back and help with their youth. I'm coaching the first team now. Uh, it's been it's good. It's been good. So it's it's fantastic to see that you you're giving back to the club that made you essentially. But isn't it isn't it fantastic that a coach can have that sort of influence on your career, uh, shape you as a person, and um, if it wasn't for your coach, who knows how it, it may have turned out. Isn't it just fantastic to have those kind of figures around the game of rugby? Yeah, like, he was selfless. He just he just came and picked up this random kid from Zimbabwe just turned out the country. <laughs> He's been in the country for three weeks, and then he's come with his wife, and his, his son played for the team as well. So he was the coach, and then he picked me up, and he was, he'd done that every Sunday for a long time. And mum, mum was against it. You know, it was like a Christian family. Mum was like, "Well, you've got church and Sunday. I was like, "Mum, I know I've got church and Sunday, but I want to play rugby going forward. So therefore, I would like to play rugby on a Sunday, please." So it was kind of this conversation I used to have with mum. It used to be disagreement. Mum wasn't happy that I'm playing rugby on a Sunday, but that was the only way to do it. Um, but now she's glad I did it because, yeah, I've done the right stuff for myself as someone who's come here and not in a, been in the system and trying to fight my way in the system and do well. Still working hard. Um, it's, not, it's not done yet. Still trying to get better each and every time. Yeah, I live and breathe rugby, to be honest, every day. Even if you ask my fiance, she'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> but, that's, but that's what you have to do if you want to be successful and you want to do better in life. Uh, you have to put everything into it. Absolutely. A, a, a fantastic story there, Lovejoy. And as you mentioned, you were part of Beckenham, you also represented England students, you represented Kent, and you then rose to play for a couple of clubs based in London before you made your premiership move. You moved to London Scottish and then on to London Welsh. What was that period sort of finding your feet like in the, in the club set up here in the UK? So I, I went to university. I was studying construction project management. I was going to run the scholarship to go there to UWE studying and then I had a great season I was playing six I just converted to playing prop then uh, from six to prop and then I was playing for Bridgewater and Albion which is southwest one I had a great season from that transition season that's when I got trials for English students and then I did well in the trials and I got selected for that once I got selected that we got to tour around Europe playing in Portugal France playing as Wales it was a good year and then from that, um, I think London Scottish were watching, and I got called in for a trial. Then I went to London Scottish, but and then I signed my contract. I was like, "Yeah, take me. I'm ready. That's this is it. This is what I've always wanted. I'm ready to go. Let's let's do it." Like, but I was the funny thing is I was living in Bristol, but playing in London. I'm a student, <laughs> um, and you know Bristol to London is two and a half hours drive. I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it. That's fine." And then I didn't think about it on a signing. I realised, oh, okay, now, now I'm starting pressure. Okay, oh, LJ, you got to wake up at four a.m. He's training on Monday. I was like, oh, okay. So I was waking up at four a.m. But I knew what I wanted. This is my dream. I didn't care about that. I didn't think about. it. I was like, four a.m. would leave. I had a few mates who were driving. We were playing London Coast to live. Wanted to live in Bath and Exeter. 
We'll live at Fort Air, travel down to London, train Monday, stay down in London on the Monday night, train Tuesday, drive back Tuesday, come back on the Thursday team round if we've got playing on the weekend or or I'll just stay down in, in, in Bristol and then I'm going to blow to Clifton if I wasn't blind. So, yeah, it was a lot of hard work at the start. Um, still hard working out now. Like, the 4am starts, it's just, it, it builds character. It builds, you know what you want, you know. I did that for the whole year and I never moaned or complained about it. I was just grateful that I'm studying and I'm playing professional rugby. So many of my mates would, be, would want to be in that situation, to be studying full-time and playing full-time professional is something I've always wanted. So I, I took the opportunity with, both hands and kept doing that but then after the year I needed my last year my university I needed to finish my degree so I had to kind of step back from professional so I went semi-professional I went to Roslyn Park for a season which were and Roslyn Park were really awesome and looked after me there in London they looked after me very well I was playing semi-pro so I was training Tuesday nights Thursday nights and then playing on the weekend so able to finish my last year of my degree then I finished my because I had this mentality myself I told myself if I could sign that um, professional contract to London Scottish whilst I was still studying in full-time, what would stop me from signing a full-time contract after playing a year in semi-pro at Rosen Park? Which actually done the good to me because then I'd done a full year playing tight head, week in, week out, and I met some, played against some amazing players who were retiring or who you had been playing in the Prem before or just didn't fancy playing full-time rugby anymore, but they were still good players. So I learned a lot in that league. It was a semi league. I played 31 games in that season, which is really good for my development. And then I ended up signing for London Welsh straight after graduating from university. So in all in all, it worked out really well. Cool. And uh, a quick congratulations for cracking on and, and getting the degree. I'm sure those uh, four o'clock wake-ups were a nightmare, but they've, they've all paid off. I, I also just quickly, before we, before we get on to things at, at London Irish... You've you've mentioned that you played back row and you you've played number six. How did you sort of transition to moving into tight head? Was that difficult? And how did that sort of come about? So I was playing Kent under twenties. They selected me as a back row. One of my coaches, a tough, he's an awesome coach. He came up to me like, LJ, um, mate, you're a great talent. You're doing really well, but I know how serious you want to because I'm using negative. Tough, what do I do to become? to get slow by the club, what do I need to do, go to the next level, or to play like England, counties, that kind of stuff. Eastern Navy was like, so he knew what, what I wanted to do, he knew how serious I was trying to play professional rugby. So one day he just came and got LJ, um, you're doing awesome, what you're doing, everything, we're happy with everything, what you're doing, that's what you're saying, you're good enough. But you know when you say you want to play professional? I, I don't think you cut it as a professional back rower, because nowadays with sixes and now line-out jumping options, and you're not tall enough to be a line-up jumper option at that level. If I were you, because you're strong enough already, because I'm a pretty physical player, he said, I think you should try the playing in the front row. I was like, oh yeah, well, that's fine, I'll do it. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> like, no problem. I didn't think about it. Because I, I had a, my coach who was coaching me at the time was Dan Leake. He split for Wasps. So he had played in the front row for Wasps. So I literally went back to him and was like, Dan, this is what the Ken coach said. He said, Oh, yeah, I was actually thinking about doing that with you too, mate. So, <laughs> I was like, oh, sweet, let's start doing it then. So, from there, we just went straight in, started hitting the machine, started doing body shapes, and, yeah, <laughs> that, that was it, really. And then started playing proper Beckenham. My, honestly, my first game, I played proper, because it was the old the, the old sequence of crowds, fine, engage, and then just blast each other. Um, 
first game playing proper when I kept them, but when I went to bed the next morning, I could not get out of my bed. I was never been in so much pain in my life. I was so stiff. I literally had to roll myself out of the bed to the floor. I couldn't get up, honestly. Uh, but yeah, that was an experience. Um, it was good. Um, yeah, that was it really. That, that's the reason why. Okay, and, and that obviously led you to sign for London Irish in 2017. Can you tell us, Lovejoy, about signing for the club, how it came about, uh, the club ethos, and can you list a couple of players or coaches that you've uh, had the pleasure of working with who've um, been, been a big influence on, on your development? So, when I played London Welsh, um, London Welsh were having money problems um, in, that, yeah, in that season. We were halfway through the championship, championship season. And our investors started pulling money out of their debt, which we don't understand. Place we started to start to stop getting paid, and with problems in terms of that. And then we we've been told that we knew investors coming in, all this stuff happening, but which was nothing to do. We just kept doing what we had to do on the pitch. We just kept playing. And then one day, yeah, we just said the club is going to fold. The club is getting into administration. Um, yeah, the club company is going to be dissolved. So we're like, oh, what's going to happen? So whilst all this is happening, we're still playing games anyway. Mm-hmm. So my agent is now looking at clubs. So I had a few options to go play in the championship. But then, obviously, London Irish were in the championship at that time as well. And then I think they had, a, they had an injury at London Irish. Someone got injured during that period. And then the coach had looked and obviously they'd seen me. Then they were interested to come in as a medical cover. So I only signed a six-month contract until end of season. But once Irish came in, I was just like, this is it. This is the opportunity I've been looking for because I've already told myself that I'm only going to play championship rugby for two years. And if I don't go to the premiership in those two years, I'm going to go and work full time and play semi-pro rugby. That's what I said to myself and I've built a career that way because I didn't want to, I didn't want to be just an offensive the championship or anything like just chasing contract after contract in the championship, you know because my dream wanted to play in the Premiership and play with the best people and keep progressing my career. That's, that's, that wasn't my dream, that's what I wanted to do. So when Irish came in with that offer of six months, I took it back and I was like, okay, this is it, this is the, what I've been looking for, it's a Premiership. I know they're in the Championship right now, but they're a Premiership club, that's how they're around. So I was like, my age straight away, yes, let's do it. Six months, I went in there, I was just working my socks off every day, just trying to be positive to the coaches to show them who I am, what I'm about. Yeah, and then after that six months, during that time, they were like, yeah, we would like to keep you on for longer. Even though they signed all their props for the next season, uh, they they signed, they were like, we'd like to keep you for longer. So I signed two years after that, and yeah, I'm still there now. So yeah, that that was it. I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity at Martin Irish. The fans are awesome, the club is awesome. They're all about hard work and humility, that's what we're about. And just looking after each other on and off the pitch. You can see that with everyone who's played on Irish or coaches and players. And uh, it, it's been a, a fantastic journey. You were rewarded, shall we say, with some recognition. In 2017, you were awarded the Zimbabwe UK Sportsperson of the Year. Your whole story has been that of opportunity, and you've made the most of, of all your opportunities given to you, and, and you've managed to, to make something and, and forge a, a successful rugby career. What was it like being recognised by your people for your achievements on and off the pitch? Yeah, it was an honour to get that recognition. I 
did not see that coming, to be honest with you. Um, when I looked at that list, there was Gary Balance on that list. I was just like, well, I'm grateful to be on this list, but there's no way I'm going to beat Gary Balance. Um, but to then come out and get voted by people, my, my fellow Zimbabweans and fans, and mate, honestly, it meant, it meant the world to me. It's, even now, that's my Twitter pin. It's on there. No one's ever going to take that away from me. And I'm grateful for that, that we can able to, to celebrate the Zimbabweans and the diaspora. It was an honour and a privilege to be recognised in that, in that category. Fantastic, Lovejoy. And now we find ourselves here in 2021, where hopefully there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the pandemic and its effect on, on society and, in particular, sport. You guys have obviously kept going throughout and you've been a, a pillar of hope for spectators and sports lovers and the general public. On a personal level and in a rugby capacity, what can you look forward to, to twenty twenty one and beyond? Just keep. Uh, I just want to keep improving as a as a rugby player on and off the pitch, and just making sure I'm looking myself after myself for life of rugby and what I'm doing on the pitch, and just being a better person in everything I do. Just continuous. It's just all about continuous improvement for me. Uh, I just keep on working on the good on the things I'm good at and working with things I'm not so good at and just be better and better at that. Okay, and uh, do you harbour any any hopes of, of playing international rugby one day? Obviously eligible for for a couple of sides, namely England and, and Zimbabwe. Yeah, of course, mate. Honestly, if I sit here and, t- and tell you I don't want to play international rugby, then why am I playing rugby? Then there's no, That is the pinnacle of a career playing international rugby. But right now, for me, I, I just need to establish myself as London Irish number one target and then the rest will take care of itself. That's what I need to do. Play Wigan, Wigan for London Irish and everything else will take care of itself. And that, that's how I see it for me. Perfect. That's, that's, joy. that's for another time. Yeah. <laughs> that's for another day. Um, very, very good answer. Hopefully you get to have um, a nice summer holiday somewhere, wherever it may be. That brings us to the quickfire part of the, of the episode, Lovejoy. Um, so I've got yeah. a couple of questions, um, short and sweet. Who was your favourite rugby player growing up? Beast. Tendam Tawarira. Um, so you've got your match days with London Irish. Firstly, who plays the music on a match day and, and what type of music do you guys play to get psyched up? Uh, well, at the moment, we just, people just listen to our own music and then we've got some background music. But... In the gym, in the boys gym, I'm on the I'm on I'm on the music. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm on the music, and I always make sure me and one of the props here, Big Will, we always fight for the <laughs> for the court in the gym. But if I'm in there, I'm playing some house music, African music, Kwaito, everything in there, Afro beats, hip hop. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm there. The boys the boys hate it sometimes when I play too much African music. <laughs> They're like, oh, Jay, get your phone off. I'm like, well. Have you got quite a few uh, African boys in the side? Oh yeah, we did have Pat Silly as he just left last year, um, and then with um, with Nigerian Topsy Ojo, Nigerian British. Uh, we've got some other youngsters coming through now. Who Chunya Munga, who's uh, half Ghanaian, half British. So, uh, yeah, and we've got another young Ghanaian, Lucid Frog, coming through in the academy. Terry Kappa, he was one to look out for him. He's a very strong kid. 
Cool. A couple of boys yeah. for the future, and, and you just keep playing your Afrobeat. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Lovejoy, who is the toughest player you've scrummaged against? Lecky. Lecky used to play for Gloucester. He's a loose prop. Played with him against him in National 1. Yeah, he was quite tough. He's old, but he's quite niggly. And, yeah. Okay. And Lovejoy, my last question to you. What is your favourite local dish in the UK? And what is your favourite Zimbabwean dish back home? Oh, well, I still make the dishes here, so it doesn't matter where <laughs> they're home away. It's all the same. Um, yeah, it's got to be sadza with some bruvos. Oh, lekker. Yeah, sadza and bruvos. Yeah, I see. Chakalaka. Bruvos <laughs> and some fried vegetables. Um, yeah, that's, that's me. That's me. On, on the bride. Don't, don't cook it. Just cook the sadza and then get everything on the bride. Anything on the bride. Uh, that's what I do with my... Uh, I love cooking. I've got my backyard chef Instagram page. I'm always frying and smoking different foods. And yeah, it's something I'm looking to get into when I finish playing. Yeah, whilst I'm playing now, I've made the business... I've, I've been doing it um, because in England no one knows about how good the bride is so when I do a bride for everyone's like oh my god what is this you're making I see this is amazing so I, I can see an opportunity there cool love Joyce so potential outlets to focus on in the near future and hopefully um, once the boots are hung up you can um, follow your venture keep it coming keep the bride's coming and I, I just want to say thank you for giving of your time today and telling our audience the story of Lovejoy Chawatama and all the very best for this coming Sunday and indeed the rest of the 2021 season and, and beyond. Thank you, Lovejoy. Uh, thanks for having me, Richard. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on this podcast. And, yeah, I really enjoyed being here. Cheers. <laughs>